Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 19th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, this week on the podcast, we are going to start off by talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins for a little bit, and then we're going to mosey our way around the league, uh, talking about the, about the two the Southern two California Southern California, California teams. California. <laughs> you had some feedback in your uh, mic. I must have heard myself. Um Going to talk about the Kings Ducks. Uh, they're both off to slow starts for different reasons. We are, um, and then we'll make our way around wherever the hell we decide. So, no real game plan today, other than we're starting with the Penguins. So, they are two one and one. Not bad without Sid. Um, they're still generating opportunities, but um, not suppressing them as well as they did last year. But you know, is what it is. What, I, th- I think what's concerning for me with the Penguins is they just look sloppy. Like you're right, they've still got lots of shots, but they just they just look sloppy, missing passes they normally hit. I don't know whether it's because teams are anticipating what they're going to do a little more often, but they just they they're not connecting when they get into the zone. They're missing passes there. The Montreal game, the one that they just played. Yesterday didn't look particularly fantastic, and the Colorado one the day before, um, that wasn't quite as egregious. But you just get there and go, obviously comparing them to the playoff team, which was clicking on all cylinders, it's certainly not looking like the same team. And Sid being out is kind of a big deal, I would argue. Oh, massive. Um, Plus four games and six nights to start the year. I don't know how many other teams um, did that. I'm sure there are some, but, you know, that's never easy. No, I think it's 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 five in eight or something like that as well. Like it's a like Chicago have had a real tough start as well in regards to volume of games played in short space of, of time as well. So the condensed schedule um, is certain, certain, certainly going to hurt some teams if they start off poorly. And selfishly speaking, it makes blogging a lot easier. So <laughs> no complaints there. <laughs> um, it's much better than let's say mid August. <laughs> well, you've got some topics now? Yeah, it's uh, it's been nice. So, um, But as always, we, we take things with a grain of salt, given that it's a four-game sample. I'm looking at Vancouver Canucks leading the NHL in uh, shot attempts against per 60 minutes. So um, I don't foresee that staying the same. So just, you know, keep these things in mind. Um, 20 games is when I usually start to take the temperature of things. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't make observations about what is happening right now. I just, as far as predictive value goes, I think it's a little bit soon to, for any of it, really. Right no, now, we, we can start forming hypothesis stuff, but. All right. So one one thing that I have noticed in the four games that they've played so far, um, poor old Olimata looks slow. Yeah, it hasn't been a good look so far and uh the coaching staff has apparently taken notice to it he got bumped off the second pairing last game and then got benched altogether i believe last night in montreal before Latang got injured and we'll talk about that um he they were using 5d for a stretch and mata was not part of that five so yeah was it was it just jesse marshall on Twitter that sort of, you know, asked the question, he looks like Scuderi because he's just dumping everything out off the glass. It's like, how did that happen? It's not like he got dumb 
I legitimately think he's lost another little bit of speed and that's reduced his ability to make a decision because he's lost the time that he used to have. So I've no idea what they're going to do with Marty. You can't, you can't hide him. Um, no, he's, he's needs to be one of their guys. That's how, yeah, that's how they're constructed. Yeah. So it'll be, it, it for me, it's going to be neat. The, Obviously, getting Sid back will, will be great, but how he comes along and, and gets out of this early season slump will be very interesting for the Penguins' ability to be successful and and just for his own sake. Like you know, you've mentioned it before in the podcast. It's it's been a hell of a ride for Marta over the last two years. You know, with all the health and and injury concerns that the guy's gone through, um, it would be a shame that that he can't get back to the the form that he had prior to all those injuries, but that could be because his skating partner's not there anymore. It's a, it's a very muddled player evaluation with him because when he was healthy, he was getting bottom pairing role with Matt Niskanen, who both players you could argue are top four players. So you pair two watch. top four players um, in a, you know, a sheltered role, I would say. And they did really great. So I think a lot of the Alimata um, legend has grown from that pairing early on, and he did look good then. Uh, he's also at times played well with Chris Letang. Uh, as we know, it's it's tougher to not do so than... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's pretty great. Um, so where does the injury play in? Where does the role play in? Uh, I do have growing concerns as we keep going on, though. And a lot of it's speed related. I, I I just think with how the Penguins play and how I believe they'll be geared towards the future, you want guys that are more fleet of foot. Not to say that you can't have a guy like Mata succeed, but right now, I I believe he's a step slow. Mentally, I, I'm sure he feels it, which is why you probably see that high off the glass stuff when he has time and space because he's pressing right now. I, I give him credit for um, realizing that he's a little bit off the pace and looking for a bailout play, but the, the way the Penguins are constructed, you can't bail out that way. He'd be better off going for the Murphy dump to center ice and hope that someone skates onto it rather than dish it up off the off the glass. But, you know, there's obvious risk involved in, in trying to, to do that uh, through the middle of the ice, but he's definitely been the one player that's looked – the biggest fish out of water, I suppose. Um, everyone else has sort of played the way I, I expected. Um, and Marta's the, the one concern that I have. But it's not so much because they've locked him up for long term. It, it's just it's just the, the defense is, is constructed, like you said, around speed, whether it's moving the puck with a great outlet pass or, or via, via, via skating it out. And if... If he can't use his brain to get those quick outlet passes up, then he's in a bit of trouble. Here's the problem with playing defense for the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, based on how they want to operate. You can't be afraid of making a mistake. No. Uh, because they want you to make plays, uh, or, or it's built for, for D-men to try and make plays to the forwards. Now, if you start getting your ice time slashed because of a few mistakes and you start pressing, and then you just start playing it safe like Rob Scuderi always used to do, 
uh, that's a real big negative. And to me, I would rather the the big error happen from time to time, like the you know you know the ones the turnovers that you're like Jesus, how the that was terrible. I'd rather have a few of those and keep pushing that play forward and generating stuff than oh my God, he can't do the bad play. And it's like well. It's really impacting the other side of things more so than giving up that one bad play. And I think you saw that with Derek Pouliot, who obviously is playing scared of not, you know, every time he hits the ice, it's, I can't, am I going to get benched? Am I going to get benched? Am I going to get benched? Maybe that's seeping into Ali Mata's play. Because playing it safe, historically speaking, in this league for risk averse coaches, gets you playing. Gets you awesome. Gets you awesome. Yeah. But that's not how that's not why the Penguins won a championship last year, and it's not why they'll potentially be successful this year. So I don't know. The coaching staff's going to have to sit down with with players like Mata and Pouliot, and those are just the two examples of players that have maybe not been great so far this year for them. And be like, it's... listen, we're going to live with it. You got to keep pushing it forward. Um, let's keep being us, and let's not worry it's... about dialing back. Everything I've read about Sullivan in regards to the way he treats the players is the complete reverse of of the safe coach. You know, everything you read about him, and from this is like from player quotes, yeah, he's not going to bench me when I make a mistake. He's going to go right back with me because he knows I've tried to create something and make something happen. But you're right, Marta and, and Pul- well, Pouliot in particular definitely have played scared since they came into camp and have, have gone forward with that attitude, and it's like, yeah, the coaching staff, if, if they aren't pressing them to play safe, they need to sit down with them and go, come on, loosen up, we're not going to cut your ass time, we're not going to punish well, that, you. Well, did get cut, and Pooley, that's, that's, yeah, that's out of the that's line. That's exactly it. right. He got separated against Colorado, got dropped to the, the bottom pairing, and then, like you said, before the tank got hurt, wasn't playing. So that handling of that particular player is the is a complete 180 from everything that I was expecting because of what I've heard from every single player on the roster that's spoken about the change that that Sullivan brought in. So, you know, I agree with everything you said. Um, they they're, they're gonna Mata's gonna have to figure it out um, in the short term. Long term, we've we've actually brought his name up as a potential. Trade piece, not one that you would actively be like super trying hard to, to move out, but there are a few guys out there right now that, you know, maybe you think about. I still think the Truba thing's interesting. He's a better skater. He's a right defenseman. Those are harder to find. And I'm not so sure the money will be egregiously higher than Mata. I think he'll he'll land in that 5.5 range. Sending to, sending to Anaheim. He's slow. You'll fit what Carlisle wants. Oh, I, I know where you're going with that one, and um, it's tough for me to wrap my head around and speak to something that I think would be so stupid for the other team to do. Yep. But th- they are playing hardball with Hampus Lindholm, and it is so stupid. Yep. Oh, we don't. We want to pay you less than Rasmus Ristolainen, who is not as good as you anyway. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. You know what? They they seem to be making not great decisions over on that left coast. Sure. Let's let's open that conversation up. I would fully expect it to be shot down just because that's, of course what, it should. that's what my logical brain is telling me. So I, I almost feel stupid bringing 
his name up in a conversation like this. But if they're going to continue to play hardball with a defenseman like that, and um, I still think Mata being as though he's, he, he played on a Stanley Cup champion, he plays on Team Finland internationally, um, his age, his long-term contract being cheap for a, a budget team like Anaheim, Maybe you can wiggle in the door a little bit and get a conversation started, but I wouldn't expect it to go anywhere. He ticks so many boxes for what they are. Um, I, I, you know, obviously I brought it up in jest, but it is one of those things where you look at that team and go, yeah, you know what? If there's anyone you're going to be able to fleece, because you can't use Marta to, to, to fleece Winnipeg for Truba. That's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Sheffield Dave's wouldn't fall for that. Depends I don't. Depends how bad they want that left defenseman. That's not coming. Unless Toronto, uh, Toronto's really the only team I see that, um, or or fan I'm stupid enough to do the Truba thing with Lindholm. Yeah, well, you know what do you do? <laughs> but there's, you know, if they're dead set on that left D thing, then now would be the time for Pittsburgh to have that Truba conversation. Um, you know, things to think about as we move forward because I do have concerns about Mata's foot speed and. Um, I don't think that'll ever necessarily get better, and um, I don't think the league is transitioning that way. So um, will his value ever be higher? It's one of those things. You, you, you are taking a risk because if he bounces back, he's, he's a decent player. Four mil is yeah. a great price point for him. Um, but right now, it's no, I, not very good. I totally agree. It, it's, just, it's just funny how, just out of curiosity, the first 35 seconds of that game against Montreal today, I just got there and went, well, they're going to lose this. Fleury is having one of those games where he is all over the place. That was ridiculously bizarre, the first 10 minutes of that game. Yeah, I mean, the first goal, that I don't put, put that on him, the one that Petretti scored right away. No, this is the thing. Like, It wasn't like you just look at the start of that game and you just go, holy smokes. Then they score and you go, you can't blame the goal on Fleury, but it all started from Fleury. Now, don't get me wrong. Playing goalies back-to-back for four games and six nights, statistically speaking, it's been proven to have a negative impact on a goalie's ability to play well. That had nothing to do with goal one last night. Max Petretti shooting from there is going to go – Short side blocker all day long. I don't care who's in that. That's probably a high percentage shot for him. Um, you know, that's the problem with not having a good backup. Mike Condon, I know he – I thought they were going to start him versus Colorado and give uh, Fleury the Montreal game, but they ended up going I actually back to thought, back. I thought they were going to go Condon against Montreal just for the – Nah, they would the never – that game means too much to Fleury, being a French Canadian dude. Yeah, that's a cross. I can't. I can't think of too many times uh, when Fleury's been healthy that he hasn't gotten the Montreal start. I could be wrong, but it feels like he gets every road Montreal start there is. Yep. Yeah. But you're right. They probably should have gone Condon for the Colorado game. Um. That was a weird game for me, the Colorado one, because they started so well, absolutely schooled Colorado, and then, and this might sound a little derogatory towards Colorado, but then it looked like they just took the rest of the night off. Colorado was better. I mean, no, Colorado is better, and and you could look at how good the talent is in that roster 
once you get a coach that knows what he's doing. Or at least an improvement. But you sit there with it and you just sort of shake your head. At, like I, I watched that team and, and I went, they think they've got this wrapped up. And then obviously it was 2-2. Two, two, and that was when the sloppiness started to creep in. That That's all I saw in the Montreal game was just turnover after turnover after, you know, passes that they would normally hit just missing. And I'm like, maybe they are just mentally gassed after the, you know, the big start to the to the season. I thought penalties were a problem in both games. I don't think that's going to be a long-term issue, but it certainly had a huge negative impact on their ability to beat Colorado and Montreal. Um, Colorado's operating a pretty decent power play. They may have made a hire on that front. I don't know. Um, Eric Parnas, um, hired by Colorado, he was running the special teams project that was doing a a ton of really cool breakdowns. you know, short sample, but they scored two power play goals their first two games of the year. Uh, did they play last night? Yeah, they got. Oh yeah, got Duchesne got flipped shut over. Out. So they. Oh, did, did they get shut out? Okay, so they no power play out. goals. Uh, back to the drawing board there. No, but <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh took six penalties. They got two power play goals and they lost four to three in, in overtime last night. Um, Montreal game. They would earn power plays. And give them back. Five seconds later, uh, there was a hand infraction on a faceoff, and then Malkin uh, interfered and hooked a guy right off the draw. So they they were actually generating at even strength last night. Pittsburgh was. They weren't. They, yeah. They didn't play terrible. They just didn't score because Al Montoya played great. Uh, but the times that they really could have had an advantage, they they threw it away. And it was, uh, you know, given how the goalie was playing, you, you needed every chance you could get and they and they threw a lot of those away overall you're happy with how they're playing i i I am as a general rule yeah i have no concerns um like i said shot generation is there or shot attempts are there i think that's the harder of the skills to to get i'm all for high event hockey selfishly speaking from an entertainment standpoint i think we all (laughs) want high high event hockey but furthermore i think it plays into pittsburgh's skill set I have no problem with them trading chances. More times than long, not, it's going to end well for them. How long do you think it takes until Wilson gets bumped for rust? Um, it could happen based on tangible results, but i got to be honest with you, and I'll be writing this after the podcast ends. <laughs> but this won't be out by then, so you'll probably have already read it by now. Uh, Scott Wilson yeah, right. led, um, led the team. In possession last night, 18 attempts, four or five against, and um, you know he was he was there creating stuff. So I can't complain about a game where he's that in in the right zone, offensive zone that much. He's getting looks. He got stuffed a few times, but you know what? Give me that over and over and. You know, he's shown in the AHL level especially, he can score goals. So I'm not really too concerned there. Um, I thought last night was one of his better games of the four. So I don't think there's a necessarily a rush to bump him. Uh, something that may play into where he slots in is uh, what happened with Connor Sheary. He got high-sticked. Was it in his eye? We, as of Oh, the rec- I forgot about that. Yeah. As of the recording right now, we don't have an update on him. If there is one while we're talking here, I'll certainly pass it along. But 
is he out long term? Is he out short term? That's an extra top six slot. I'm, I'm sure Wilson would continue to fill it somewhere. So, you know, last well, night I, I liked his game. So, yeah, no, look, this is the thing. I, I've liked what I've seen, but you know, like you said, that word tangible was it hasn't been there for him in regards to results. So you, you do sit there and go, how long is the leash? To this guy, probably not coaches. enormously long. No, but and you know what coaches are like? They like to fall back on stuff that was successful before, and Rust was. Yeah, he's gonna. I could see Rust definitely taking that spot. I, I don't think it's gonna happen super immediately. I think you know, as the game got on, he got better. It was good to see his speed out there, and um, there are a few sequences where he was carrying the puck in and cut back to the middle instead of just chipping and going after it. I, I, I like to see that. So in due time, he may steal his old spot back, but for right now, I think you'll, you'll see him get some fourth-line minutes with uh, Fair and Kuhnhackel, I suppose. I'd like to see Sid back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's the thing with Sid. Can they be successful without him in the regular season? Of course, they're two one and one right now. That's not a bad start. I think a lot really? of teams would be like, "All right, that's we'll start the year that way four four games in six nights." Without we'll talk our, to Anaheim without our best players. Um, I think the where where we see the uh, impact of Sid most, and I think you mentioned it at the beginning, is is the HBK line. Now, most teams do everything in their power to shut Sid and Gino down. Great strategy. That's it's probably a great idea, because if you don't try that, they're going to eat you up. The reason Penguins were a championship team is because they also had this little third line that could also eat teams up if given favorable matchups, and they got a lot of favorable matchups last year because of Sid and Gino. Without Sid, Sullivan has kind of gone strength on strength with HBK, and it hasn't worked out as well. Their possession is all low. Benino is forty-one percent. Haglin's like forty-three percent. Kessel's like forty-five percent. I just they're a high those. event. They're a high event line. They they need to be able to to go against other teams' third lines because they 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 need to have lesser competition so they can make up for the the shot volume they give up. Yeah, to this point, I mean, they're not winning their matchups. No, but their matchups are technically a level harder because there's I, no I seat. would agree with that. And here's here's what we really have to discuss moving forward. All right, let's assume worst case scenario with Sid, which is far from the case. He's actually probably going to practice with contact today. So he's making progress. Let's say Sid's off two months or whatever. <clears throat> I think you really got to evaluate breaking that lineup, putting uh, Kessel with Malkin, something like that, or at least Haglin. You may give Gino some wingers that can actually sort of skate with him and, and finish. Yeah, a little bit more polish there. And I know we, we we just got done talking about pulling Scott Wilson off because of former success things. But I think at some point Gino's got to 
if Sid's out, Gino's got to produce. Uh, you got to help him out a little bit if the tangible results don't start improving on the Wilson front. Um, for right now, they don't have to really do that because Sid, I think, is right around the corner. But it, it or at least Sullivan's got to get away from strength for strength, at, if at all possible, with that line. Maybe be a little more selective in his deployment than just roll them out because. He used to be able to. You just can't. This is the thing. Like when you you get there and you try to evaluate the impact of a, a player on their team, it's usually when they're missing that you notice it the most. And Sid's impact on the fact that you know the HBK line's been average, he doesn't even play with those guys. It just shows you how important he is to be in the in the lineup. Yeah, he's the best player in the world. So. No, no doubt it it has an impact. Even if the team's good enough to float by, um, at least from where I'm watching, I'm, I'm I am seeing that negative impact show a little bit here. Um, not as much on the power play. Um, I talked a lot about the other day their their power play goal that Kessel scored. Well, that was nice, and it was what a simple, really good point. Latang's right-handed, Kessel's right-handed, so with sit out. You're probably more prone to go off of that left side than usual. So Latang can walk the blue line hard, meaning he's on his forehand. He can skate forwards. He doesn't have to drag the puck skating backwards to walk the line. So he can go quicker. That draws the top penalty killer into his shooting lane, which leaves Kessel all alone on the left half wall, right? Because that bottom penalty killer is usually not going to jump up to Kessel right away because then he'd be leaving... um, his Whoever guy down low, is. and Latang could just yeah. feed it down low right away and skip that whole process. But the goal was Latang walk, super simple pass back to him, Kessel, laser beam shot, top of circle. I don't know why the hell this doesn't happen more often when Sid and Gino are in the lineup. You can do that play all the time. And it, you can run it, it on feels, the other side too. It feels a little bit like they want everybody to touch the puck rather than just score. That, that's what it feels like. That's, I, I doubt that's the case. But when you watch this particular team go through their power play, it feels as though they 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 have to give it to everybody at times. And it's like, no, you see a shot or you see a hole, skate into it and, and then react. Either shoot because no one comes to you or then go for the pass rather than just passing it for passing sake. Their whole power play should just be get it to strong side point man who walks line who either the top penalty killer if he doesn't come with the guy hey shoot it you have hornquist and benino down low or whoever the hell's down low for a tip play perfect that's a good play or if they overcommit shooting lane pass it back to either kessel or malkin i'm sure they'll figure out something to do with that time and space you gotta get those d-men moving so you can create those up top two-on-ones and when yeah. teams start to adjust to the up top two-on-one, and they do bump that guy up to the half wall, you can do a skip pass, which will give um, the guy down low the two-on-one. Or you make the pass to the half wall, and he kicks it down right away. And then you have a two-on-one at the goal mouth. It's amazing how simple the power play sounds, and it's amazing how complicated players seem to make it. I mean, penalty killers are good these days, but they're... They're still down a man. If you're looking to create two-on-ones, it can be pretty easy. Just 
just a matter of how you go about it. You got to have your progressions. Sometimes I don't think they have any progressions, like you said. I just think they're moving it and they're stagnant. They they're I don't know. It's weird. But that's what I would do. Anything else Pittsburgh related? Um, just the Latang better not be hurt. Now I have to admit that happened when I was at work, and I never really got a good look at it. Did he basically throw the puck up the ice, two second gap, and then he got hit? Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't like a super vicious hit. I don't think the hit was necessary, but it's it's not like oh my god, suspend the guy kind of thing. Oh no, no, no! I totally agree with that. It's just one of those hits where you go, that was a pointless hit. There's only one thing that could sort of come of those hits, and that's exactly what happened. Someone got hurt. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those hits anymore, but... There's... I love that little caveat <laughs> anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up, that was the thing to do, but... I know, it's 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 amazing how far you've come in regards to the way you look at the game. It's incredible. I was a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> I was. What was that? I think I led my travel league in penalty minutes, and yeah, I was... Looking back, Jesus. But so that's what how did, he grew up. <laughs> what did Letang actually hurt? Do we know? No, no update yet. No upper body. You don't know whether it's an arm or wrist or like All I know is that when he's on the ice last year, championship caliber team, Penguins pushed possession at 54% or around there. And without him, 51.5-ish, which is still really good, but that's an elite jump up. You're going from pretty good to, okay, we're kicking ass. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a big difference. And and with Mata struggling, and who plays the right side? You got Daly and Schultz, really? is the who? So Pouliot may come back in. They clearly don't think much of him anymore. Mata's struggling. This is problematic. You know, it's one of those things where the team can deal without Crosby and they can deal without Latang, but not at the same time. I don't think they can deal without Latang, even with. Like, if, if we're talking championship caliber. If, 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 they, if they sat him for five games now to make sure he was healthy and all that sort of stuff for the rest of the year, I can deal with that. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. you, can't do that when, you can't do that without Sid. And... And it's like, if Sid came back in and they sat Latang, I'd go, great. Here's five games where you go, okay, Pouliot, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna cut your ice time short. We're gonna play you. Go out and play. You make a mistake, we'll throw you back out there again. If there's ever a time to, one, look after you, like you said, basically the key to the fact that you could win the Stanley Cup, which is Latang, um, and a chance to find out whether this kid who, Numbers suggest that he's going to be all right, but for some unknown reason, he's failing the eye test. No, he didn't play well. He did did not play well in the training camp, but here's the thing. No, I don't. We have a larger sample to draw from than training camp, so I don't know why that doesn't come into play, but anywho. um, Yeah. Well, not to bring up what we talked about for a bit earlier, but I also view Truba as Letang insurance. Uh, As a right defenseman. Yeah. What what's left underneath Latang as far as right deer concerned. It's not ideal. No, it's far from ideal. So I think it's easier to find a left shot defenseman in this league. So 
those are just my thoughts on it. So as of right now, no updates on Latang or Shiri. Obviously, losing Shiri would be uh, unfortunate because I think he's he's actually picked off up where he left off. I've I've liked his speed. He's trying to make a lot of controlled plays. He's creating, uh, especially Saturday night. I thought, but no Latang. Jesus, don't really want and to think about that. I, I also don't want the team to invest another three years in Trevor Daly. No, I don't think they're going to. But it's nice to have them in the now as long as they're committed to playing high-event hockey. Yeah. Because that's his thing. He's yeah, not going to exactly. suppress shots. You might as well let him rock and roll with what he's good at. And and that's – that's but that's – like if, if Latang goes down, he's next man up. Him and Schultz. On that side of the ice. And then Pouliot maybe is the third <laughs> right defenseman. Yeah, and <laughs> – like we said last week, injuries can wreak havoc on a team's season. And we said that before Quick tore up his, tore up his groin. Yeah. Um, so I, shall we transition up the Penguins? <laughs> yeah, because we could keep going. We might as well move on to another, onto another area of the league. What is going on with LA? What are they going to be able to do? Nothing right now. Jeff Zadkoff is uh, living up to his misspelled name this preseason, Jeff Badkoff. And uh, <laughs> he's only stopped 52 out of 62 shots for an 830-something or another save percentage. Um, that's going to be problematic for them. And I've already heard, well, I'm sure as the listeners as well, Andre Pavlik is being an option. Um, they got to do something right. there. And quite frankly, Pavlik would be an upgrade over Zatkoff. But really, is that really where you want to be? Just out of idle curiosity there, he's obviously gone down on waivers, right? So if LA picked him up, would that have to be a trade now? Yes. Right. Okay, that, that answers the salary question. It's not going to cost a lot at all. No, no. However, it's $3.9 million. LA is not loaded with cap space, but obviously Quick would be on long-term injured reserve, which would give them space. The other key with Pavlik, and I only mention this because his name got brought up, tied to it, um, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, so there's no term past this, and that's important for whatever decision L.A. makes on this front. Yeah, that's true. He really feels like a guy that's just going to flush right out. I don't think he's going to get picked up even as a backup. Who's that? Pavlik. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things where it, it just feels as though once Winnipeg couldn't move him, it sort of had that feeling of nobody wants him, so they just put him into the minors. It just feels like he's just going to flush out. Now, as of right now, Quick's returning at some point. Is that, my, is that your understanding? My understanding that that's the case, but... He's still trying to work out whether he needs to have surgery or not. I suppose if he were to miss the year, which isn't likely, that opens the door to somebody like Bishop, where they could fit the money. Yeah. If they really want to make a run But how much is Quick? Aren't Quick and Bishop about the same cap hit? And he'll be on on long term, so it'll just squeeze right across. 5'8 versus 5'95. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're, we're a long ways away from that. I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. Oh, it's just it's it's tough for that team. I mean, they're 
we already knew they were going to struggle to score. They were going to rely heavily on on quick to... Or at least defensive-minded stuff. Possession-related yeah. stuff. Um, so, I don't know. It's, what are they? 0-3? 0-3. And but like, like we said with, with, with everybody, 15 to 20 games, that's when you can really start to hit the panic button. But you don't want to go... You don't want to go like two and ten, and then start hitting the panic button. If you're two and ten, you needed to have done something earlier than that because that's your season almost. Yeah. Talk, um, talk to Columbus. We're we're looking at similar situation to Montreal last year. Yeah, price went down. That didn't mean they didn't have to make the playoffs. Correct. They they got terrible goaltending, and if they had El Montoya last year, I would argue they probably would have made the playoffs. He was a 927 even strength goaltender last year. Mike Condon was 914. It's a big There's difference. There's a few games in that gap in the percentages there, isn't it? So, Jeff Zadkoff and Peter Budai, I don't know, is that what you're going to roll with? Well, they are for the foreseeable future. They can't win with 830 goaltending. Nobody no, but can. I don't think he's... He's not an eight thirty goaltender either, though. Like I don't, he, I don't think he's that bad. I don't know. I don't think he's. I think he's a spot starting backup, not a hey, my guy's out three four months. Is it cool if you take over and, you know, kind of do your thing? I, I, I don't think it'll end well. Look, they play. They play Dallas on Thursday, right? At Dallas. Now, if they get lit up. That's 0-4 and a lot of goals against. Mm-hmm. Do they start to worry? I think they already yeah, are. That's... You're right. It's really, it is, you're right. It's really, really hard to know because you don't know whether he's going in for surgery. And the thing with the groin is that if you do it without surgery and just go for the rehab, it doesn't take much to, to fuck up your rehab and be back at square one. I mean... It feels as though that's what happened to Price with his knee last year. He just couldn't get his rehab right. Something would tweak, and then he'd be back to ground zero. But groins are tough, and particularly on goalies. Particularly on goalies, yes. <laughs> Not a good one to have. No. Like, yeah, just bad injury to... Bad injury of, in general, but... Yeah, but for goalies, for crying out loud. Particularly one who plays the way that Quick does, that's all explosive leg movement. Great point, too. His style of play, he definitely needs those push-offs. Yeah, he's got to have... He, 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 Yeah, if he even attempts to come back... That'll be the hardest part for the training staff. Will be... And he's going to have to be flat-out honest with them. If he gets there and goes, yeah, I'm good, comes back early and then tears it again, that'll be his year and that'll be their season. So the management of that injury is going to be extremely interesting. So they'll be on the goalie lookout, in my opinion, right now. Um, the other California team that we said we'd talk about, um, they're 0-3-1, the Ducks. Again, 20 games is, you know, where you can start taking the temperature. But They've what, been what, out what, shooting teams, man. This isn't Randy Carlisle. <laughs> it is true, but, like, people were expecting maybe not the same results. And so far in the small four-game sample... Oh, three and one. It, it's it's one of those things where you go, 
if you look at the arguments against Randy Carlisle, it was like he's going to give up lots of shots. They're going to be, you know, playing on the PDO. Well, they're still getting lots of shots. It's just that the end results are the same as what everyone thought. It's just they're getting there in a different way. They can't finish. Sounds like the problem Boudreaux had last year. It does. And I think they gave up the wrong goalie. And I just think that the goaltender is going to be the difference. Yeah. Between Boudreaux being able to float the season until they finally got stuff back on track and them dying in the ass of Boudreaux getting fired early. I'm not big on Gibson. I used to be, and I'm not either. There's just something about him that, that screams a tweener. Could be a starter, but it's probably best as a backup. And, and Anaheim have obviously you know, committed to him, so that could be a, a really big problem for them. I think the biggest problem is somebody we've already mentioned today. The guy that's not playing? Yeah, I mean, get him signed. You're really going to squabble over your best defenseman? When was he even drafted? It's almost like it was like one of those things where they've gotten really lucky. You would think that Anaheim would understand the value of quality defensemen considering that they had Niedermeyer and Pronger together, and then when Niedermeyer retired, it all got real hard for him real quick. I guess he was sixth overall. <laughs> I didn't realize that. He came in with pedigree. I didn't think he was yeah. drafted that high. I didn't know that. So Re- you know, but disregard. You've just pro- you've just proved your point though. He, he comes in with pedigree. He has proven that the, he can play. Lock him up for like long term. Lock him up for eight years if you can, or seven years at six, even at seven. I know that Anaheim will go. Well, that blows out our structure, but you can tell that the team misses him severely. Just pay him six. I think he'd take six by six. You're doing great. Yeah, probably. Then, like what? What's, what are they? Do we have any idea what they're off, like? What they're saying? This is what. What was Mister Lyons' deal? Five four. They don't want to do that, which is laughable. But hey, Hang on, five by four or five point four? Five point four mil per year for six years or something. Oh, the Ducks are fucking kidding themselves if they think they're going to get Lindholm for that little. Just hold out, buddy. They'll have to give it, or you can have Oli Mata. <laughs> I guess those are the only two options. That's all they've got. That's it. That's the only options they have. Uh, they are kidding themselves if they think they're going to get Lindholm at that value. Absolutely kidding themselves. Or Lindholm does what a lot of these RFAs do and buckle because they don't have super leverage. If you're going to buckle, buckle for one year. Do a one-year deal and then go through it again. Yeah, just pay the guy. <laughs> I agree. No, no, I totally agree. But do do what Subban did. Go for the bridge deal. Bet on yourself that you're going to be awesome. Then get paid. Well, the thing with makes it easier for Subban is that he's a 50-60 point defenseman. Lindholm's been 34 and 28, which is 30, 34, and 28. That's really good. But it's not quite, you know, the pizzazz with Subban. I mean, you, you, you get know my what argument, I'm saying. Though. I get oh, no, yours. I know exactly what you say. I get, get exactly what you mean. You're, the, you're betting the on the team's valuing 
all the other things he does well, which they should. Well, if you're a smart team, you can try and wiggle him out of Anaheim, relying on those numbers and, and talking up the other numbers to, you know. I'm, I'm looking up Sudan right now. I'm trying to think. When did he sign this bridge deal? Uh, I Seriously, I can't remember now. I'm trying to look it up because it may be similar to Lindholm's path. I'll restrict, I'll say, so 2012-13 is when he signed it. Sorry, listeners, I think this was... So he's actually in the neighborhood of where Lindholm was. He scored 36 points the year before. The year he signed the bridge deal was 38, although that was only in 42 games. <laughs> There's a difference, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So and then it was 53, 60, 51. You could already see that he was... Yeah. You're right, it's walking the same path. So it's it's certainly um, I don't know I, if they're not going to sign into a long term deal worth decent dollars, just go all right, give me six at one, or give me five at one or whatever, and then force them to do something else after that. I know yeah, it's hard. Be moving Fowler too, who has probably good value despite maybe some underlying numbers that don't match perception, at least on the. Shot generation or possession front. So if you're if you're Anaheim and you're moving Fowler for cap space, would you just be requesting a first round draft pick and praying that somebody bites on that perceived high value? I suppose, because I don't know what else there is to really do. I mean, didn't they send Clayton Stoner down? Oh, I honestly can't remember. Well, these damn salary cap sites wouldn't stop going bye-bye. This would make things Yeah, I was going to admit, when you were looking for the numbers before, I thought, well, it doesn't help that Fanny just disappeared. Which is cool for the owner. That's fantastic. It, it's great to see that teams are value. It, I find it hilarious. There's been I've seen a hundred, stacks of retweets in my Twitter feed on this article by a guy saying, see, analytics aren't everything on a three-game three game freaking sample size of Chris Russell. And it's like, if even if the old-school media aren't going to value it, it's good to see that the teams are valuing the effort that some of these guys are putting in. As you said with, with, with Mr. Parnas before in, in, uh, in Colorado. It's not going anywhere, so I, you know, fight against it all you want. It's going to continue to um, get better. Analysis is going to continue to get better. We're not going to stop using it. So I guess fight against it if you want. It's not the direction things are going. So if you want to be the the Kodak film camera during the digital age, be my guest. So they'll they'll become relevant again in twenty five years. Because it'll be retro. It'll be retro then. Oh, Jesus. Well, we're still waiting here in Rochester with that one. <laughs> I don't think Kodak's relevant anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I used to get upset at that stuff, but I don't have enough time to get angry over it. Um, it's being used. More and more hires every year. Uh, it has predictive value, and teams are starting to use it. And it's, uh, you know, I like being objective, so that's all I really have to say about it. 
the numbers definitely help doing to be objective rather than let your emotions get involved, which is good when you're trying to analyze stuff. Oh, absolutely. In any field, really. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just looking through the schedule. Oh, while we're waiting, figuring out where our next topic is, because we're so well prepared. Uh, congratulations to Marion Hosa on number 500. Hey, yeah. He's awesome. Uh, he is. Father Time is finally catching up to him, though. A little bit, but he's still better than most. Does everything. He's the perfect winger. At least was during his prime. And his 500 oh. goals, pretty impressive considering when he started. It's not as easy to score anymore. No. He had some good Ottawa teams, but he did play for... He was a part of that Ottawa team that, that got beaten in the finals against Anaheim, wasn't he? No. Or did he... No, he'd left it. Was Heatley. He got traded for Heatley, didn't he? Yeah. That year, yeah, that's... That year you're talking about, he did have 100 points with Atlanta. Yeah. 43 goals, so... Jesus. <laughs> That's awesome. Great with the Penguins. Great with Detroit. Scored 40. <laughs> and he's been flirting in the mid-20s to 30s ever since, really. Yeah, he goes okay, doesn't he? So he's already got 1,000 points. He's a Hall of Famer. No, no questions asked. 149 points in 201 playoff games. That seems decent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you know what I do find kind of amusing? It literally feels like the Pacific has been flipped on its head. For now. Oh, and if it won't gonna, stay that way. But if, that's just how it feels. If we're gonna talk Pacific, uh, yeah, that that Brian Elliott thing that I thought was gonna improve their goaltending is not. It's not bearing that fruit yet. <laughs> they've they've been rolled over. They've been giving up goals every game. They have, and it is one of those things where Brian Elliott, you get there and go, you know, he helped the St. Louis system look good, but the St. Louis system made him look good as well. How much of one was the, you know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the swing on that? I honestly didn't think Elliott would have this kind of start. I thought he wouldn't have a, a goals against average that was quite as good as he had in St. Louis, but I really didn't think it'd be he'd get blown out of the water like he doesn't help they've played Edmonton twice yeah Connor's good a little bit but then you know so is freaking Drysaddle and you know whilst I'm not a big fan of Lucic Lucic is no scrub no he's he's a good player you just don't want to have that contract so all the reasoning behind the signing I think that's the thing that bothered me the most but that Edmonton team is fun to watch yeah, yeah, they are. McDavid alone makes it worth watching. Exactly. And the Vancouver train just keeps tooting along. 3-0. Playoffs. Brandon Sutter. All, all three come behind losses. Wins, I mean. Jesus. Well, we'll see. <laughs> are they going to be the best defensive team in... All of hockey. Uh, my prediction is no. Magic, right now, eight ball. Magic eight ball says no. 
But if you're going to be a team that's probably not going to be great, you might as well get points while you can. Keep you alive a little bit longer if that's what you are trying to do. And they, I believe they do think they're a playoff team. Uh, I still don't believe they are, but that's a great start. Oh, it is. It, it certainly sets them up really, really well. Um, should Chicago be worried that they're leaking as many goals as they are? Um, yeah, because I I think, what did I have them fourth in the division in our preview? Something like yeah. that. Yeah, with, they're, with... They're, they're a team that is still good, but they're in a tough division. And they're more vulnerable now than they've been for a while. They just don't seem to... The, the issue I have with, with Chicago is I know they, you know, won a 7-4 game against Philadelphia today. But they don't seem like a team that is going to be able to cover a lot of goals against because their bottom six depth isn't going to be there every night, I suppose, is, is going to be the problem, isn't it? They're going to turn up, but they're not going to be there every night. That's why they're bottom six, and it just seems to be a little thinner than normal. Correct. Their, their roster's not where it has been in recent years. And Bickle's contract was bad. Shaw, they were wise not to pay it. But, but those guys were okay. They helped. But they don't have them anymore, so that's it, it makes it really tough. Can Richard Panic continue to score goals on a top line? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, I would guess. But Panarin's still awesome. But this is the last year they'll have him at 800000 Yeah, it's going to get tight, tough again for them after this year as well. So Brian Campbell's at a mil and a half this year. Next year, what what does that look like? Does he stay or does he retire? Like He won't retire. He's still good. I know that, but it doesn't always happen that way. True. Talk to Brian Rafalski. Ask Detroit. Oh, that was a tough one for Detroit because he was still really good. And he was like, yes. yeah, I'm kind of good. See ya. And it's like, I'm oh, enough. shit. <laughs> and then and Lidstrom, the I mean, Lidstrom was in his 40s, so you had to kind of think that it was coming. Even though yeah. he was still was, a top end. Rafalski was what? Was Rafalski 31 or something when that happened, or was he younger than that? Uh, I think it was maybe older, but still within the um, range of... He's 43 right now. And he retired in 2010-11, so... Is it making... 37-ish, probably, when he retired. Oh, fuck, that's older than I thought, to be honest. Yeah, but he was still really good. No, I know he was, but that that's more of a, yeah, you know what, I will pull the pin. That That's more of a pull the pin age than, you know, I thought he was closer to 31, 32, 33, somewhere in there. So that extra three or four years, that does make a little bit more sense to me. But I had no indication that he was going to bail. And, yeah, you know, he had knee and back what... injuries. Oh, okay. But he was still awesome. Yeah. Him and Lidstrom had like 60% possession those 07 through 09 years. It was absurd. Yeah, they were nasty on the rest of the league. Um, I don't know. I got nothing else. No, I, I don't have anything else um, in particular. 
it's it's so hard to sort of because every argument, we, well, every conversation we have, it's like, yeah, but we know it's a small sample size. You know, you get there and go, Columbus are 0-2. You, you kind of expect them to not be fantastic. Um, but then, you know, you get there and go, Vancouver, they're 3-0. So what do we know? Nothing. Yakupov, Yakupov looked like he, looks like he's going to fit okay in St. Louis. Oh, we'll, weird. We'll weird. Weird. Weird how that works. Yeah. <sighs> We'll see whether when he does start to struggle, whether he gets a chance to play through it or whether he ends up on a short leash because he's a Russian that has struggled in another environment. So, well, he's in a better spot than he was. Totally. Team-wise, obviously, they're way better. But, you know, they really didn't maximize his usage when he was there to try and make him... Uh, into the player that he is. They they wanted to change him into something that... You draft him number one overall because he's offensively gifted, and then you start playing him with bottom six forwards all the time. It's like, well, what the fuck do you want from him? Yeah, and you, you start asking him to be something he's not by saying, you've got to be better at defense. It's like, well, how about you get him good with his offense first, then worry about changing the other parts of his game. When you're drafting sure that high... Yeah, you have a really good understanding of what player you're taking at number one and what the strengths are versus weaknesses. Why you wouldn't just go out of your way and maximize those strengths because those strengths better be damn good to be drafted that high. So your solution is to suppress that and make him work on other stuff? Uh, Okay, congrats. I'll I'll give the Caps credit. They got Ovechkin and they were the same complaints that people had on Ovi. Terrible his own zone. At least the Caps just said, go out and score. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest. Just I, go out and score. And he, He's kind of done did, that. He's kind of done yeah. that. And Yakupov's never had that opportunity. And he won't get that opportunity here in, in St. Louis. because he's not yes, that player. But... No, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to compare the two players, but the situations they were in in regards to their deficiencies were very, very similar. But he's going into an organization that traditionally is a responsible organization He's not going to have that long a leash to try and, you know, cheat a little bit to try and get free. I mean, he's got a great guy to, to mentor him to make sure he comes up well. I mean, freaking Tarasenko, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. He scored again last night. He's the man. He is the man. Best right winger? Pretty close. Got to be. No? Well... I always get it mixed up because which wing is Ovi? Left. Is he, is he a left? Yeah. All right. Well, then Taylor Hall's a left winger as well, isn't he? Yeah, he would be the best right winger. I mean, Kane's there, Jamie... but I like Tarasenko. What's Jamie Ben? Left. Far out. Just all these left freaking wingers. Why can't Pittsburgh have one? Um. Yeah. Uh... Gensel. <laughs> Maybe, eventually. He, Not quite he, like that, he, but nice. He nice will play this year. I tell you, it really shows you the poor handling of, of, of Sprong, doesn't it, last year? Um, uh, and then obviously the, the disappointment know. with the injury. Just the expectation. Sprong's, put it this way, Gensel got to play AHL. Yeah. Sprong couldn't. And there's a stack of players that are in the exact same boat as Sprong, and they need to change that agreement. Gensel's also so a lot that, older. 
Pete, no, no, I, yeah, I appreciate that. But yeah, <sighs> I think eventually we'll see him. He's had four points opening night, had that nice mini breakaway diving goal. That was pretty nice. Yeah, that I don't was, know if you saw that it. Was not, that was a nice goal, actually, yeah. I don't know what he's done since. Haven't kept up, but he'll be up eventually. He fills the need, especially, well, be interesting to track Shiri and see if he gets called up. Well, I mean, they can replace Shiri with Sid and just shuffle the lines around. If, if he back. gets through contact, if he gets through contact today, you'd assume they'd want him in for the San Jose game, but they probably want a couple of practices before they give him the all clear. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. So, I was hoping we'd get some updates by the time we were done with this, but uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Oh, rat bags. So, you know, maybe Latang's at practice today. Maybe he's out four months. I don't know. <laughs> don't look, don't say the second one that badly. Well, I don't control any of this, so. Oh, I know that. Um. Yeah, but I've been I've enjoyed a uh, lot of goals in these games so far this year, which has been nice. It would be nice to see it stay that way, but it won't. Well, who's the pessimist now? Oh, oh it's uh, me, definitely me. So, you know, we both know what we'd like to see. Yeah, high event hockey. So, Penguins, do that. I watch you the most. Do that for me. And then other teams Please. follow suit. That would be great. Please. All right. That's it for me. Yeah, that'll do me as well. All right, cool. So, Mata for Truba and Lindholm. Three-way trade. Two guys going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it's going to work. No, but those are things to track. Uh, Mata's play in Pittsburgh, the injury things, and Sid, HBK, whether or not they can play strength on strength. So things to look for Penguins, and if that's not your thing, there's certainly other things to look for around the NHL, some of which we talked about today. So that will do it. We will see you next time. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Bye. <laughs>